Hey everyone, uh, Trista Ford here, back with another Playing Around with Playbook. Today I'm so excited because we're going to be talking with the amazing saxophonist and educator Walter Smith III, um, also with Sammy Miller, our Playbook founder. So let's just give them a second to log on and then we'll go ahead and get started. Let me. Hey, how's it going? Trista, hi. <laughs> I'm super excited to talk to Walter today, as I'm sure you are. Hi. Oh. Hi, Walter. Very prompt. Hi, how's it going? Yo, can you hear me? Hi, yes, I can hear you. Okay, what's going on? Hey, Walter. Thanks so, much for, uh, thanks so much for being here today. Um, yeah, of course. Thanks super excited me. to talk with you today and ask you a little bit about your experience and your education um, life, of course. Um, for If you don't know me, my name is Trista. I am a tenor saxophonist and educator, also a big Walter Smith fan as well. So uh, Why, super pumped, nice super to, pumped to talk to you, <laughs> of course. My I know pleasure. Sammy wanted so, to share a little bit about it. Sure. No, no. Before we start, I just want to say like uh, a big thing that we talk about here is talking to educators and then talking to musicians and very few people do a good job of being both. And Walter, who I met when I was 16 and very much a student, only a student doing nothing as a performer. Uh, it's been, he was always such an inspiration just because he took educating very seriously and he took his artistry very seriously. And uh, that's why, as long as I've known him, he's always just been a, a source of inspiration and, and actually being an artist educator. So I just want to give a little preface there of like, I'm so glad he could be here. So Trista, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce Walter for the Playbook community. Um, originally from Houston, Texas, Walter Smith III now resides in Boston and is chair of the Woodland Department at Berkeley College of Music, helping to prepare the next gen of jazz students. Um, Smith is widely recognized as an adept performer, accomplished composer, and inspired educator. He is and has been a member of several legendary groups and has performed all over the world at Carnegie Hall, the Village Vanguard, the Kennedy Center, and a number of others with artists such as Mulgrew Miller, Billy Childs, Joe Lovano, Herbie Hancock. Um, and one thing that I found online that was really, really interesting, really stuck with me was um, from a young age, um, your first game playing was at a McDonald's in Houston, which I'm sure people tell us all the time, but I just love this. Um, with another saxophone player, and you took a solo on, of course, Blue Bossa, and it was terrible. Um, people clacked, and you figured if you could get away with that and get applause, how could I fail? And I just love this so much. So awesome. Um, <laughs> does it get any, but Walter can ask before, does it get any better than McDonald's? I mean, like, was the Vanguard, the acoustics of that McDonald's? No. Nope. Not looking back. It yeah, doesn't it, match it up. It never has been better than that. No. <laughs> of course. So I want to ask. We have an upcoming staple. McDonald's tour as well. Um, stay yeah. tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. That that's actually what in common three is. It's going to be a McDonald's McDonald's tour. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Only New I York McDonald's. So. <laughs> I want to ask our staple our staple playbook question. What have you been listening to lately? Um. Okay. Lately, uh, I've been. 
I'm getting, I'm, I'm in the process of writing music for a new recording. So um, in that, whenever I'm in that mode, I'm always listening to everything that all my peers are doing uh, to get inspiration uh, to hear what they're doing. So lately, um, I guess this week, uh, a lot of Emmanuel's most recent record, uh, Melissa Aldana's most recent mm. record, uh, also Ethan Iverson. Yeah, all, <laughs> all of those have kind of been on the, on the um, docket. And then also... I've, I've really been um, into this idea of writing short, I'm, I'm not positive that I'll do this, but like really short songs uh, and mm -hmm. having a bunch of those. And there's this incredible album by Logan Richardson called Ethos that he did for Greg Osby's label about maybe 10 years ago. And it has so many songs on it and they're all like two or three minutes max, which I think is really cool. And I'm kind of debating how to proceed with this because mm -hmm. I really love that, but I don't know if I have it in me to to be uh, short-winded so we'll see does oh, it interesting i'll have to check that out <laughs> does it feel how does it feel for you now that you're like i mean you were like the youngest guy in a scene in a community like what does that feel like to now like what people younger than you are doing like that experience of being like not the youngest person in the room yeah well i think that you know this is we're tying this into education that is to me the reason to be involved because i'm a firm believer that um, I knew it when I was young and I know it now that I'm not like young, I'm 41 now, uh, young musicians are always the brightest thinkers in any kind of group. Um, there's something to be said for experience and you, you grow and you kind of refine things over time, but just that whole energy of being young, um, and, and really believing in what you're doing without any real reason to have, you know what I mean? Like, nope, this is what it is. And this is, and, and there's a certain thing there. So to me, it's, I've been waiting for this to not be the, the young person so mm -hmm. I can see what everybody else is doing and really get, learn from that and, and try to grow within that. Yeah, that mindset definitely sounds familiar. Um, so to, to continue, I want to ask you, was there a particular educator that inspired you to pursue music as a career? Really uh, with yeah, you? Several, several. My father was a educator. He was an elementary school teacher, and that's where I started saxophone in second grade um, at his school. Um, and then also my first saxophone teacher. They made a movie about him later, but he was also in, he's from Houston, and he led a, the Cashmere High School stage band. And the, the movie is called it's either Thunderstruck or Wonderstruck. It's something about something being struck somehow mm. uh with a two-syllable word but that um he was an incredible he was when i studied with him he was in his 80s um Dang. so somebody that was from a completely different time that i would just go to his house every week and like just you know like sometimes it was you know it, it was just incredible to work with someone and get get into that kind of um knowledge base he he knew arnett cobb all the people that came from houston he had played with them and worked with him. He had taught all the people that came to Houston. And then after him, my last teacher before I got to college um, was really inspirational to me, David Caceres, who mm. was kind of what I ultimately decided to pursue music and model this whole idea of being in education after what he was doing. He was the guy that played everywhere in Houston. He had all the mm. gigs, but he also was teaching at adjunct at all the universities and also at our performing arts high school and that just always seems so cool to me like i go to his house mm -hmm. for lessons and he would 
it would be like leftover Chinese food because he got home <laughs> at like three in the morning and he's like, oh yeah, I just got up and well, I've been working on this thing and let's work on this. And he's like, I got to go to this. He just was always busy and it just really, um, that felt like how it was supposed to be was, was what he was doing. He's an incredible player too. Um, so those would be the three for me. Uh, I know like as an educator, like first when you were at LOXA with us and you were at Indiana and now at Berkeley, like you take education and being with your students seriously. How do you know what to say no to? I know people always say like, say yes, 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 yes. Like, how do you know, like, what to say no to with your work-life balance and educator versus performance? Like, what yeah. are your sort of like rules? Do you have rules you have? Or how do you like think of it, about it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it boils down to the people that you value the time that you spend with them. So right mm -hmm. now there are a couple bands that I'm like, uh currently like engaged with for the next like six months and those bands i would always say yes to um including people that i spent a lot of time playing with so like somebody like ambrose for instance this fall i had i was a week at the vanguard with eric harlan and then tom harrell was the following week but something happened where he wasn't going to be able to do it so ambrose got called to fill in for that week so it kind of came up last second which was an something that I hadn't planned for being in New York mm. for two back-to-back -back weeks. It was my daughter's birthday during that second week. So I was just like, okay, I have to say yes to him. He's somebody that I would, no matter what it is, I'm going to make it work. But mm. um, that's not for everybody. So it's, it's basically, you know who the people you really feel passionate about playing with, uh, new opportunities that seem interesting, that will challenge you in a different way. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's, of course, of course, yes. of course. And in terms of like, I know you definitely, I mean, being in a, a professor at Berkeley, a lot of your time goes there. What are the most important things that you have wanted your students to walk away with at Berkeley? Um, well, you know, my role here, I don't actually teach anything. I'm, it's like purely administrative. Um, so I've kind of transcended teaching in a way. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, but I do work with a lot of students. Um, and the thing that that I'm always most concerned with. And I've grown into this over the years because um, it's what I always thought was most important. But like when I knew Sammy at LOXA, it was early on where I felt almost um, conflicted about what you're supposed to be teaching people. You know, there's this whole education thing where you're supposed to learn these cores and the, you know, all that, the stuff that you're supposed to do in school. And then there's the stuff that I always knew that was more important than that. Um, and now that's a hundred percent where I am. It's more about what are the main thing is that I always want everybody to get out of working with them is teaching them how to teach themselves. I want to present mm -hmm. things in a way that does not center my personal preference. You know, mm -hmm. I hear someone play over something or do something that is not, at all how I would approach it, but I don't want to be someone that makes them think twice about that. I just want to make sure they understand conceptually what we're talking about and then they're free to do with it what they want because I think ultimately that exploration, that creativity is the thing that's lost in education. We, we give stuff, we tell you stuff, we tell you how to do it, we tell you how this person did it, we give you all this information and we leave out the space for you to think about it or what you know what you want to do with it because ultimately that's what keeps this growing and, and moving forward over time so um yeah teaching giving people permission to think for themselves giving 
mm. people ways to be creative um, and offering that rather than like worksheets and bebop ones. Now, yeah, I, of course, of course. I'll never forget like some of the things you, I feel like that you talked about when I was 16, like totally I went over my head. They kind of still a little bit over my head. I have a small brain, but, <laughs> but like, Stuff you explained, I was like, for, for us, I just wanted you to give me answers then. Like, to be like, play this way or do this one thing and, like, you'll be good. And you kind of always, you never gave us those easy outs. I just really, now looking back, I understand, like, the value is, is just uh, tenfold there, you know. Yeah, because, you know, those are, it's, there are so many things that we go through as people that, um, you know, things that our parents may do to us, our friends may say to us. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues with body image. Social media is a terrible place for that. Um, all this stuff that, you know, this double consciousness where you're always thinking about how other people are viewing you and all that. And I feel like teachers have that power to put stuff on you, especially at an early age. Like, mm -hmm. man, you got to do this all the time. Every time you hit, you got to hit on the end of four and then he hit the next beat four, you know, like. <laughs> And then it becomes something where you just are doing it without thinking about it, where that's mm -hmm. just what it is. And then mm -hmm. when you think about what this is about, it's not that. The, those things mm -hmm. are options, right? And it should be presented that way as re rather than like a definitive, you know, you got to do it this way. And I know it's not always helpful and it, it does leave mm -hmm. some people in the dark a little bit, but I think um, in the long run, if you stay with this, because I also know that every student doesn't stay with this forever. So like, now that you've stayed with this forever, um, <laughs> hopefully right. you don't have too many of those things that have been placed on you over time. Oh, I'm trying yeah. to shed them. That's what they're looking yeah. for. Just shed them. <laughs> exactly. Of course, of course. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I want to ask you our last question, which is why do you think platforms like Playbook are so important in today's classroom? Sorry? Why do you believe uh, platforms like Playbook are so important in today's classroom? Like digital, do you use any digital stuff, Walter, in your space? Like, have you used, or do you find it helpful? Digital in, sorry. Like, go I moving to the virtual world. Yeah, like, moving into the virtual world. Like, have you put, moved into, like, Zoom teaching? Do you find that stuff to be effective? Do you find it to be ineffective? Do you hate it? Do you love it? Yeah, I mean, I think... To me, at least, presenting through, um, I guess, more topical things. And I, I learned a lot uh, over the last two years, as most of us did. Um, but presenting workshops that don't necessarily involve live playing are really effective through Zoom. And I did a lot of, I learned a lot and I was able to put things together where you just pre-record all the examples and you have it all there and you have everything organized in that way where you can share all the, the details. And I think in that way, it's a lot more efficient and you can kind of get mm -hmm. to the, you can get to the, all the information that you kind of want to discuss and you have everything ready to go. Um, sometimes in a class, uh, one of the biggest challenges is pacing. And I do feel like um, in the virtual space, people are not as willing to speak up or ask questions. So you can kind of get through things quicker. But I do feel like you lose a little bit of the interactive um, ex experience, at least for me. There's always one person that is ready to kind of ask questions, but it's not as, you know, it's not the same as being in a room with people where you can 
look at someone and make them kind of engage with you in that way. So um, I do, like, like you said, it is very valuable. It, it has helped everybody kind of reach a lot more people, especially during this time when we had to be on it. But um, I think ultimately I'm kind of still old school. I still write music with pen and paper and then eventually put it in the finale. Um, so I always start mm -hmm. with the with the old school thing. So mm -hmm. I have no yeah, hair, course. man. I'm from a different time. <laughs> they didn't have hair in the 90s. Just, you don't even not. know that. No you one had hair. He's... The, the more you know, the more you know. That's, that's what we're here for. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. It was great hearing you speak on these things. And um, everyone go follow Walter at WalterSmith3 on Instagram and follow up with his website, WalterSmith3 as well. Um, and stay tuned for his album, which I'm super pumped for, um, In Common 3 on March 11th. And everyone go follow Playbook Jazz at Playbook Jazz on Instagram. And this is playbook.com. So I'm going to sign off now, but thanks again. Thank, Thank you, Walter. You. Thank you. All Bye. right. Take it easy.